0: day for me. Uh, From the beginning, when we first started this church, I think for the first year at least, maybe two, we did not have a pastor appreciation day. And it's because I was like, yeah, you guys don't need to do all that or whatever the case is. And then there was a couple of women, Lizelle was actually one of them, that kind of twisted my arm. If you know Lizelle, she would never do something like that. her and her and sister Beth Kinyones they were like listen you know I, I, we understand your heart and all of this but they they brought the bible they were like well you tell us to bring the Bible. well bishop let's see what the bible says and i was like all right fine but there's some rules here all right we can't just be all about pastors right you got to we got to have a message preached every sunday to encourage because you know some folks come up in here you know they they they, they ain't trying to hear about a pastor they want to hear about jesus amen and so we, we made that, and so when, when we, the reason why someone else isn't preaching, there was somebody who was scheduled to preach, and because of the tree that fell on the church and us having to you know, meet somewhere else, I didn't want somebody else to have to bear the brunt of all of that transition as, as a guest, so I, I asked Alexis, who was leading the, the, the effort here, I said, hey, let's do it on the first Sunday in November, that person was unavailable, and so you got me, praise the Lord. If you would do me a favor, please, um, our kids are dismissed to their classes at this time. They can meet their teachers in the back and um, go to their classes. Um, and as you are in here in the sanctuary, you adults that are staying here, uh, if you would open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and you'll notice we're not in 1 Corinthians, and it's as I was praying through it, I, I felt like this is where the Lord would lead me to share with you this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter five. Hmm. And we're gonna begin reading in verse twelve. When you got it, say so. And it says, I and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all." Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. I mean, the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for your truth that sets us free, that guides us and leads us. We pray, Spirit of God, in these next few moments, I ask that you would use me to convey your truth to your people I pray that ears would be open and attentive. I pray that hearts would be sensitive and submitted. I pray against distractions of mind that may try to creep up, Lord God, and hinder us from being hearers and doers of your word. Father, may you be glorified in these next few moments. I thank you for all of this. I pray this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand or a pen. If you need a pen, our ushers can help you out with that as well. And the reason why you would need a pen is because we didn't want to just give you an outline that was cute, right? We we, you know, we 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 take pride in the outline that we hand you, but we don't just want you to look at a piece of paper, right? We want you to actually take some notes. And and as Minister Jonathan was sharing in his in his welcome and exhortation, he was was telling us about this phrase that we say every week: engaging people where they are. right engaging people where they are and so this outline is also a tool for you why how how do you use that tool well if someone asks you what did you do this weekend you can simply say hey let me share with you and you don't have to take the amount of time that I take to preach you know you do not have to be there for however long that may be you can just simply give them the the bullet points of what it is that you learned and hey that may be helpful to them it may be something that they need to hear so again it is a tool that you can use to engage people wherever they are wherever you find yourself this week, and so this morning again, we're not gonna we're not continuing in First Corinthians in our church function series, but we are in a, uh, a message this one-off here this morning, and I want to talk through this text. But the title of this message is "It's a family thing," and it's about honor. It's a family thing. It's about honor. I don't know if you noticed when I was reading these words, the word "brethren" continued to come up, right? And here, here, here's what I would challenge you to do from now on in your Bible, depending on what version you have, because some, some versions may say brothers and sisters, which may make a little bit more sense, but if you happen to have a New King James or a Bible that uses the word brethren in those areas, I want you to train yourself moving forward. When you see that word brethren, I want you to, I want you to automatically transition in your brain family. Family. Are, are y'all with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not trying to change the Bible on you. Are you here? Adelphos is the word there, right? It means, it means one who is, who is, it means of the womb, right? One who's of the same womb. It's, it's a word that speaks of those who are either biologically family of the same mother and father or the one who is of the same father or the one that is of the same mother. That's what this word is talking about. And the reason why the Apostle Paul is applying it to the church is because we are family, We are of the same womb in the sense that we were all born again, were we not? Come on now. Remember when when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he's like, well, how will a man be born again? Is he supposed to go back into his mother's womb? And Jesus was like, man, you don't, you don't understand these things? It, it was about being born again, being, being given new life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And now because of the incorruptible seed of God's word, we have now been born again. We have been given a new nature. We have been given a new heart. We are given new life. And that's all good because that all deals with you. But what you got to realize is that we have been reconciled Together as a family. Oh, y'all are quiet today. Come on now, y'all got to It's Pastor Appreciation. Come on, talk to me, talk to me. Laugh at my jokes, even if they're bad, right? Just, just give me a laugh, something, right? Don't just, don't just look at me, right? I mean, come on, you know. Uh, So, 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 so again, we are the family of God. So when you read that, I I want you to, I want you to make that personal, right? Paul is talking to the family of God. And he's saying family. He's talking to us about being the family of God. The family of God is very, very important to God the Father because he is our Father, and we are brothers and sisters, and we are supposed to care one for the other. Now, all of us, right, we have different family situations in our biological scenario, right? Some of us had great upbringings. You know, we had mother, we had father, we had brothers and sisters. We never fought, we never argued, we never got hit with a chancleta. Some of y'all, you know, you don't, you don't know, you don't know about the chancleta. But anyway, you know, you, you, you never got spanked. You never got beat. Some of you had that experience. That, that, that's not necessarily my experience. But nonetheless, right? I don't think I got hit with the chancleta much. But there were some other things my mom has repented of. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm pretty sure I got hit with everything under the sun. I deserved it a lot, right? Anyway. But again, again, our. Family background can create certain stereotypes in our brain, and, and we think about family, and we think about, oh, what about the dysfunction in my family? I don't want that, right? I'm just, I'm just going to love Jesus, and I'm going to keep to myself. That's not biblical. That's not that's not the intended purpose of God. Like, I'm going to save you and then put you on an island, right? Right? Like, like, no, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to bring you into another family that has a bunch of different challenges, a bunch of different things that are going on, wrestling with sin and issues in our own life because, like I said earlier, we would all sink if we were the ones walking on water. Come on now. And so again, we are the family of God. We have to think about this. So if you look at your outline there in the introduction, being a father is one of the greatest privilege God gives a man. Can all the men say amen? All of the men know this. One of the greatest privileges that a father can ha- that a man can have is to be given the privilege of being a father to raise children. One of the greatest fears, but also one of the greatest opportunities and responsibilities that God gives. And so, as an elder, overseer, bishop, or pastor in a church, there is definite crossover. There is this, there is this thing that you'll see in Paul's writings where he feels this burden for them as his children. Where where he, he cares for them, he's concerned for them, he, he worries about them, right? He, he wants to see them growing in their relationship with God the Father, and yet in some way he feels irresponsible as a father toward them. That they are his sons in the faith when he's writing to Timothy or Titus or others. He is writing to them as his dearly beloved children, right? John, uh, the apostle, uses those, you know, beloved children, right? And so he communicates. They, should I say, communicate this, this familial thing. But there's crossover when you think about the church. Why? Well, first of all, as we have a responsibility to equip and edify the church as we would our children. So that's one area where there's crossover. The same way that I'm responsible for Alexis and Josiah to make sure that they understand who God is, to make sure that they understand God's word, that to make sure they understand what the standards of God are. The same way that I want to point them to seeking God about every decision they make for their lives, I want to make sure they're in alignment with God's will. Guess what? No matter if you are 10 years older than me, 20 years older than me, no matter if you are 20 years younger than me, guess what? I have a responsibility to communicate to you as I would to one of my children in the sense that, hey, are you listening to God or are you living your life for yourself? And you know what I've learned over 20 years of ministry is that adults are no different than children. I know some of y'all don't want to hear that, but we're just as stubborn. We're just as disobedient. We are just as know-it-all as children are. Come on now. Especially us spiritual people, you know, because we, we know the Bible, Bishop. We, we read that. Bishop, you know what? As a matter of fact, you might have preached that to us before, so we already heard that. We all need to be reminded, and I'm no different than anyone else, because I get just as rebellious. I get just as stubborn. I get just as, well, I already read that. Come on, I'm a, I, w- I went to college for this stuff. Come on now. Gonna well, tell me something new that I don't know. No, no, that's the wrong heart, right? It's easy for us. You know, I remember being, I remember being a younger, because I'm still a young pastor. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being a younger pastor, you know, 26 years old was when we started this ministry. And I remember there were older people, you know, that were in the congregation. And I remember one of them, one time I was preaching <laughs> a sermon passionately, and I was like, this is how things should be, and yada, yada, yada. And you know me, I mean, I, not, not much has changed, right? And they're like, well, when you get older, you'll understand. Oh, really? That's the problem is that we forget. The scriptures don't change no matter what age we are. See, the same same way that I want my, my daughter and my son to be prayerful about whatever their vocation will be. I don't want them to just say, hey, I can make a bunch of money working in IT, or hey, I can make a bunch of money working over here, or hey, I can, this is something, I I want my child, my children to know, this is God, is this God's will for your life? Because, you know, we we quote the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? (laughs) But we misinterpret the text, right? We think, oh, I can do anything, Through Christ's strength. That, that's how y'all read that. I can do anything through Christ's strength. That, that, that's not what the text said. The text said, I can do all things through Christ's strength. I know it's just semantics. Isn't it anything? Oh, no, no. Anything that God wills for you, you can do through Him who gives you strength. See, when you and I decide that we, you know, you, you, you know why I talk about retirement in this church, right? Cause I got some people that are on their way. Come on now, some of y'all are getting excited about that day, right? I'm 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 closer to retire. You know, there's no real retirement, right? For for anyway. But but here's the thing. But I but you know, Pastor Rod, I mean, come on, he's like, I'm come on now. I'm I'm just getting started. Let's do this thing, right? I mean, you know, he feel he feels some miles, but but he know, man, I I want I want, I want to go. I want to go to my grave working for the kingdom of God. See the problem is that 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 here's the problem. The problem is you think over here it ain't like that. Oh no, Pastor, that's you. Go on, Pat. You 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 die with the boots on. You you do it, Pastor. Come, come on, preacher. You pre- when you're old decrepit, you 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 keep serving the Lord. That's the problem. The problem is we don't translate it that every one of you sitting here should be thinking, I want to serve God every day, every moment of my life, every second of my life. I want to serve him. I want to die breathing for the glory of God. But hey, man, I put in my 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. It's my retirement. I'm going to do what I want to do. Talk with Sister Cheryl this morning. She's saying, you know, when I retire, okay, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm praying. I'm praying for her glory to God. We all have plans, but I think God laughs at our plans sometimes. But see, that's my job as, the, as your pastor, as your bishop, to say, hey, I know you're older. I know you know better. I know you got some gray hair, and the scripture says you now have wisdom. However, are you still pursuing him for his will? Are you still concerned? With being in his will, where he wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do. Oh, yeah, you're going to clock out for the last time in this natural world, but now you walk into the next season, and what is it that your God, your creator, the author and finisher, come on, y'all forgot. What, 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 oh, he's the author, but hold on a second, he's the finisher too. His plan didn't end like, you know, when you clocked out. I told you we ain't no different than kids, man. Come on now, we got to be reminded. We got to be reminded. We have a purpose, and so again, we have to. We have this responsibility, oh, man. We're we're not even in out of the introduction. Glory to God. <laughs> we have a responsibility to equip, to edify the church as we would our own children, the same way we want to help our children deal with issues in the culture. We want to help them deal with everyday situations and scenarios is the same way that we are responsible as leaders to equip you and encourage you and to show you, hey, this is what the scriptures teach. This is how we should look at life. This is how we should live for the glory of God. Again, there's crossover because not only are we to equip you, but we will give an account for you as well as for our children. Oh, come on now. I'm going to stand before the Lord. If you ever wonder why we have these conversations I have with you, it's because when I stand before Jesus, trust you me, I am not going to be the one there with the, with the bag in my hand. Oh, you, 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 you don't get what I'm saying. I'm not. He's not going to say, hey, you didn't tell. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, I, Lord, I did. I, I, let me. Show, can we rewind the tape? Can we go back to Chili's when we were sitting down on this? As a matter of fact, let me get my phone out, right? You know, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm been, I'm exaggerating the point here. But the reason why we'll have those conversations, and I will sometimes be persistent, is because number one, I love you. But even more than that, I got to stand before God and give an account for you. And if I wasn't true to the truth. Not everybody, James said, not everybody should, you know, desire to be a teacher because what? They have a stricter judgment. So not all of you have to be preachers, right? Not not all of you got to get up there and preach or teach, but all of us have to live for the glory of God. And so again, there's crossover in those areas, but there's also crossover in the fact, this is um, second to last last, um, sentence there. There should also be a reciprocated brotherly affection from shepherd to sheep. There should be that, 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 that familial relationship. There should be that familial love. There should be that, that, that I appreciate you. I love you. I care for you. But then it should also be reciprocated, right? It should be something that happens. And so, again, it's family. And then the last sentence there, one of the qualifications for being an elder is managing your household well. Why? Because if you can't manage your family, how are you going to manage the church? If you're you're not willing to correct your children, if you're not willing to lead your spouse, right, if you're not willing to walk this walk, how is it possible that you are going to be able to lead the people of God? If 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 you're not willing to live the way that God calls you to live, if you're not willing to abide by the scriptures yourself in your home, you have no business getting up behind this sacred desk, you have no business co- communicating to the church. Now, listen, again, as as with my brother Hector, I listen, y'all, y'all know I, I try I try to I try to make sure that I humble myself in, for you as, in front of you as often as possible. In other, in other words, I, I, I will be self-deprecating. I make sure that I, I I make you know I do not walk on water. That doesn't mean that I should just be over here drowning. Hello. Just wallowing in my sin, right? Like that doesn't mean that. That means that I should be trusting in the Lord. I should be trying to overcome those sins, not by my power, but by the grace of God. Right? I should be living for the glory of God. But again, this is, this is why it's a family thing. And, and, and I think for us, right, I mean, we're trying, what we're trying to do is we are trying to shove Eastern religion, which is where Christianity, Judeo-Christianity comes from, into a westernized mindset and culture. And so we have this rugged individualism. My life doesn't matter, right? My, 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 my life doesn't matter to yours. Where I'm at doesn't matter. What I do doesn't matter. When I'm absent, it doesn't matter. When I'm present, it doesn't. That's the, that's the devil. That's a lie. It's not true. You and I matter. We're the family of God. When you're missing, there's a problem. Oh, y'all are quiet. I told you I was pastor. appreciation. I got to talk to me now. It's important for us to to, to grasp the familial mentality of what it means to be part of the family of God. And here's what I want you to think about this morning. Until we view the church as God's family and us as part of it, we will minimize our engagement. Are you here? until we view the church as God's family and us as part of it we will minimize our engagement because that's not my family those are my church people I remember praying one day some years ago and it was a long time ago and I and there and there was some brothers and sisters that are dear to me that were present and I remember saying in, in the prayer, as we were all gathered getting ready to eat, I was like, Lord, I thank you for family. And I wasn't, I wasn't just talking about my wife or my kids. I was talking about everybody who was there because everybody who was there is now my family. We are family. Y'all get that? If, the, if there's one thing that I want to drive home this morning is that we are the family of God. We should matter to one another. We should care for one another. We should be concerned with one another. And again, your context, your experience with your family may be difficult. There may be stress. There may be some things that are there. You're like, well, if that's how family is, I don't want that. Listen, we are the redeemed family of God. (laughs) But can can I tell you something in case you haven't figured this out yet? In some ways, we are just as dysfunctional as that other family. The only thing is we have the grace of God. And if we're plugging into the Lord, you know what we do? We recognize where I have fallen short as a family member. We recognize when I have offended. We recognize when I have fallen short. We don't just walk around, right? And y'all, y'all have heard me say this before. You know, we can't just walk around and say, well, that's how I was raised. Okay, that's, that's all good. That's all good. That's just who I am. That's who you were. I'm just, okay, whatever. So let, let, let's go down the list. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Hallelujah. That's who I am. That's who I was. I may not be here yet. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Come on, somebody. God, God, God is working that joy in me because, you know, I have, a, I have a negative Nancy up inside of me that I grew up with, right? God, uh, you know, I, I want everything done like this, but God is working that patience, that long-suffering. You know, man, I'm rough. I'm just hardcore. I'm just straight up. God is working that gentleness in you. Come on now. He, you, you, we cannot say that is how I was raised or that is who I am. No, no, no. You've been redeemed. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm, I'm, I'm still working on love. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still growing in the ability to forgive. And, and I, I get it. I get it. We're, we're, we're growing. We're a work in progress. But are we allowing that work to progress? We're the family of God. We're the family of God. And until we see each other as the family of God, as, until we see ourselves as part of it, we'll minimize our engagement because we really don't matter. We, 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 we really don't matter. It really doesn't matter. And so I'll come when I want. I'll do what I want. That's not the heart of God the heart of God. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must recognize recognize the leadership leadership. in the family. family. We must recognize the leadership in the family. If we're going to have this honor culture that we should have, that we honor one another, that we care for one another, then the first thing that we see here is that we have to recognize leadership. So here's the thing I want you to realize contextually, just real quick so we can be in the context. The Apostle Paul is writing to the, to the church of, of Thessalonica, and we already did a series in the book of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, so you can go back to the archives of our messages if you want to hear that, get more context, and, and walk through the book. But when you come to this particular chapter... As I was reading this, I realized the Apostle Paul uses the word "but" a lot. He in, in this particular writing here, and a lot of times he'll say "therefore," but anyway. In this one, he says "but." So he starts chapter five, and he says, "But concerning verse one, just look there real quick. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you." And so again, part of the purpose of the of the book of of these books is to encourage the church who is in an, in an end time mentality, a church that is thinking that Christ may have already come that maybe they missed his coming because things are getting so difficult and Paul is writing them to encourage them, hey don't be discouraged, don't be concerned about those who have died before you in the Lord and he, and he gives them all this instruction my point is that the, the exhortation that we're going to walk through is in the context of thinking about the coming of the Lord, right? So here's the point, the point is as we look at the coming of the Lord, there's a way that the church should act there's a way that the church should live there's a way that the church should be in the midst of it all if you go back to verse 11 look what he says he says therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing and then he gets into verse 12 and he says and 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 we urge you brethren again that word brethren what is that word come on y'all y'all got it let me me give you guys a hand you guys rock that y'all i didn't catch you off surprise y'all awake hallelujah all right And I encourage you, family, to recognize those who labor among you. And so, again, we realize God calls us to himself. He is our shepherd. He is our father. He is our teacher. And yet in the congregational setting, just as in the nuclear family, he does what? He appoints leaders who represent him. And so while I am not the father, right, I have a fatherly role within the congregation. The elders have a fatherly role in the congregation. I'm not not the shepherd. I am an under-shepherd. He is the great shepherd. Nonetheless, he calls me to shepherd the same way he tells Peter to feed his sheep, to care for his sheep. He says the same thing to shepherds today. He is the teacher as a matter of fact the Holy Spirit the teacher is in each and every one of us and yet God calls us as elders as pastors and leaders to do what to teach and instruct God's word it's a family thing we're just a representation and we're supposed to walk in submission on to the Lord and so the first part is we have to understand this foundationally from the familial perspective we have to grasp that again we are the family of God I urge you, family. And then he goes on to say from there, he tells us to, to, to recognize is, is my translation. So what does Paul do in verses 12 and 13? Basically what he does is he gives us the how and the why that we're supposed to honor. These, this is one of the verses that Lizelle and Sister Beth brought to my attention. But here's what he says. He says here that we are to recognize those who labor among us. And are over you in the Lord so he shows us the how and he shows us the the why right and so and then he goes in verse 13 and to esteem them very highly in love so here's the two hows the first one is you ought to recognize You are to recognize those who labor in the Lord among you. You are to know them. You are to recognize. Here's a good good definition. You are to recognize them for what they are. They're entitled to respect because of their office. I think we should see our leaders and we should seek to know them. Are you here? Now, if if there's one thing that I think is so very important, no matter the size of the church, is that you can know the leadership. If you you can't know the leadership, there's a problem. And and I'm not talking about everybody sitting down with the the lead pastor because it's not like that. This is about a plurality of leadership. The larger the church gets, I'm not ignorant to the fact that the larger the church gets, the more difficult that that would be. So I'm not going to go ahead and make some, you know, straw man argument. Oh, you know, you can't have a mega church because I'm I'm not going to say any of that. What I'm going to say is this, is that you should be able to know your leadership. You should be able to know them. You you should you should be able to I, I, I was so blessed this past week. Oh, you know, a couple of folks took us out to eat. Pastor Aldo and I and and, and, and one of the the meetings that we had, uh, Christina, she actually came to the to 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 the to the lunch. Um, her and Markley took us to lunch. And so as we're sitting down talking after Pastor Aldo left because he had to go because he was he was late. Hallelujah! Because we were talking too much. No, I'm just kidding. But 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 he did have to go. He 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 was under pressure on the time clock. I had a little bit more time uh, than he does. And so. We're sitting down, and she was like, you know, I just, it's important to me that I know my pastors. She was like, because I hear you guys preach, I hear you guys teach, but I, but I want to know you outside of the pulpit. I think that's an honorable thing. I think that you should care enough. Listen, invite me to lunch, glory to God. I'm down with it. <laughs> I told you, you want to know me, invite me to your house anytime you want, glory to God. We'll, we'll make it happen, right? I mean, like, like, like you want to you have a conversation, you want to ask me questions, you want to get to know me better, right? I think that that's an important thing. It's important. Know those. Recognize them. But don't, but, but don't, don't, don't get familiar with them. Mm, here, here, here's where it gets awkward for me, right? But I'm going to pretend like you're not my church in this moment. Don't get familiar with them. Don't just talk to them like they're just some other guy. They're not. I appreciate Pastor Aldo. Pastor Aldo has known me since before I was Pastor Jason. And Pastor Aldo will not call me Jason to save his life, glory to God. And why do I respect that? Why do I appreciate that? Man, because it shows me the respect that he has. It encourages it. It It says, hey, man, I love you. And you know what? I won't call him. Y'all ever heard me call him Aldo? Never. You know why? Because I have a respect for him. Oh, Bishop, can I not call you Jason? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Some some, some, some of y'all met me like Jason. Even after I was Bishop. Come on now. And when you call me Jason, I don't feel some kind of way. My pastor, I'm going to tell you my pastor used to say to us. He said, listen, you call me angel, you ain't ever ever get me to turn around. That's what our pastor said. He said, and he wasn't lying. Call him angel. He's walking. He wasn't trying to hear that. You're going to call him pastor. Now listen. The point is this. It's not about a title. It's about respect. You don't treat your pastors like they're common people. Now, listen, I have relationships with people. I mean, I, I told you about Lizelle and her twist of my arm. Man, Lizelle says things to me that nobody else could say. Come on now. Yeah. Seriously. But it's because we have a relationship. Now, you hear Lizelle talk to me. Some, and, she, and and I'm going to tell you, she doesn't do that stuff in front of people. She's not, she ain't crazy. Hallelujah. <laughs> she is crazy, but nonetheless, nonetheless. My point is this. She knows the audience. She's not going to be in a crowd of people and just do what, you know, if she's at the house and we're hanging out or, you know, or we're here and it's a few, she's not going to do that kind of stuff. There's a recognition. Recognize those who are leaders over you. Recognize them. Honor them. Respect them. Appreciate them. Come on now. Now listen, there's a problem here because there's some people that take it to the other extreme where they worship their pastors. I don't want worship. That's the reason why I didn't want to, want to even do Pastor Appreciation Day. Because I didn't want anybody to cross over the line. But, but then I realized, you know what, it's, it's okay to honor your pastor. It's okay to say thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Minister Jonathan, he got up here. He said, hey, man, don't buy him, you know, clothes. Because, you know, if you don't like it, he, he's going to feel bad. Either he's going to look bad wearing it or he's not going to wear it. He's going to feel bad about it. You know, he said, don't, you know, don't get him this. Listen, I, I, I say amen. Make disciples, glory to God. I like Amazon cards, though. I just want to throw that out there. I <laughs> just want to throw that out there. I appreciate those kind of things, right? Thank you so much. But listen, the truth the truth is, in my heart of hearts, you know, you know what would be the greatest honor for me? That, that every week I see you bringing somebody to, to, to Jesus. Amen. That every week I hear a, a testimony of how you have been used by the... It doesn't have to be every week, but, but man, that, that you're like, yo, Bishop, I got my one. Come on now. Sure. Bishop, we've been praying for this person to come to faith. And this is what those things will... And, 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 because you're listening, glory to God. You're about the great commission. Again, recognize those who are are over you, those who labor in the Lord, those who labor among you, those who work, right? And and then he says in verse 13, esteem them very highly in love. Esteem them. Estimate them. Think about them. How much do you value them? Let me ask you something. Don't, Don't raise your hands. It's rhetorical. I want you to think about it. How much do you pray for me? How much do you pray for your pastors? How much do you pray for your leaders? Do you, do, do you appreciate them? Do you think about them highly, lifting them before the Lord? You know what's one of the, the greatest blessings of my week? is when someone texts me, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Hey, man, I was just thinking about you. I'm like, hey, man, somebody thought about me. You know, you know how many text messages I get like that? Hey, man, I'm going to move on to the next point. Um, in 20 years, I can tell you there, there, are, there, there are few and far between. It's just a fact. But listen, we should be be thinking about each other. We should be appreciative of one another. We shouldn't just bring each other problems or commands or whatever, right? Complaints. Man, I'm just thinking about you, praying for you, right? So esteem them very highly in what? In love. Do you you love your pastors? (laughs) I'm... (laughs) I, I know, I know, I know, especially me, because y'all hear me every, you know, almost every single week. I know I can be rough. I, I, I know, I know I'm calling, you know, balls and strikes, and sometimes I'm not at the volume you would like. Come on now. I'm not saying it the right way, you know, because, you know, anyway, right, I'm a work in progress just like everyone else. right. When I preach God's word, I pull no punches. I don't think that a, a preacher should do that. We should lay out the truth. When I when I give you counsel, listen, sometimes it, it, it's painful. You don't, we, we, listen, I, let me keep it, I do not want to hear the truth. When I'm wrong, I don't want to hear the truth. I want somebody to just ignore me. Don't say anything to me. Just leave me alone. Let me figure it out on my own. Because you know what, Here, here's, here's why I get upset. I don't know about you. You know why I get upset when someone comes and tells me about something when I'm wrong? It's because I already know I'm wrong. And I've just made a cognizant decision to continue that path. Hello. And now you are interrupting me in my rebellion. I'm just keeping it 100 with y'all. Again, self-deprecating, right? I'm making sure you know I don't walk on water. You think I'm an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Hello. I know some stuff. Now, I don't know every single thing. So here's something. Here's something that can happen. I can offend you, and I don't even know it. That's never happened in 20 years. I've literally had people leave this church and find out months later they left because I offended them and I was clueless. Had no, I had no idea. I'll give you one story. Just one story, and then we're gonna move on. It's Pastor Appreciation Day. Pastor Appreciation Day, just you know, indulge me for a moment. I'm preaching a sermon. I'm preaching a sermon. I don't even know what. Somebody brought this to my attention. I I have no clue even how it went down. But as I'm preaching the sermon, I'm going to use Danny as an example. I looked and I said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to talk to you on Wednesday, man, about that. And I was joking. It was in the middle of a joke or whatever the case was. The gentleman showed up to my office on Wednesday. At that time, I think we had services on Wednesday or something like that. He showed up to my office and he was like, hey, are we going to talk? And I was like, about what? And I was like, oh, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't remember, we had, did we have a meeting? And he was like, no, you said Sunday. And I was like, man, I don't remember that. So then we left the conversation. I thought everything was good. I didn't see him, you know, six months later having a conversation with someone else. They saw the guy somewhere and they were like, yeah, you know, he's like, hey, where you been? He's like, man, Bishop said to come to his office, talk to him on Wednesday. I showed up and we didn't talk. I was clueless. Now listen, there are times that I know that I'm hurting your feelings. Just know that. There are times I know I'm hurting your feelings when I'm preaching. There's times that I know I'm hurting your feelings in conversation. I know that, and I do my best to be tactful. <laughs> because the truth has got to come whether we like it or not, right? Like, that, like that, that, that's, that, that, that's how you know I love you because I'm not going to just be like, oh, you can just do what you want to do. Hmm. Thank you, Troy, for saying thank you, because <laughs> I love you, man. But well, the truth is, as, 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 as we walk in relationship, esteem them highly in love. Love. Love your pastors. Don't let a fence get between me and you. Listen, come and yell at me. Come on now. Don't curse at me. Yell at me, all right? If you got to curse, curse. I mean, it's fine. But I'm just saying, like, like let's have, my point is, let's have a tough conversation. Yeah. Tell me off. Let me know. Bishop, what the heck? I mean, like, for real, right? Like, I mean, keep it 100 with me. But let's walk in love. I'm not a perfect man. And so, it is important for us that we, and I know Pastor Aldo's the same way. He's much less offensive than I, hallelujah. But nonetheless, when, when, when esteem, esteem value them in love, man, listen, you know what? Because I love you, I have to have this conversation with you. Love me enough for that, right? I, I think that that's a good thing. Someone say amen? Amen. amen. All right, let, 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 let's keep it going. So those are the two ways that he says how we're supposed to recognize them, we're supposed to esteem them very highly in love. And then what is, or, 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 and, and why are we supposed to do that? He says what? We'll read through it again. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who what? Labor among you. Recognize those who labor in what? In prayer and in the ministry of God's word. So the question was asked, you know, what does a pastor do every day? Well, it depends on the day. There are some days that I don't, I just intentionally do nothing. Hello, come on now. Yes, I'm ignoring your text on that day. I'm not responding to the email on that day. Yeah, that, 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 there are some days that I do that, right? Not very many. But these other days, right, even in those days, I'm still praying. I'm still in God's word. I'm praying for you, thinking about you. So that is something that's constant, right? There's moments of counsel when we have to sit down and have conversations. There's times of visitation. There are different things that we are doing that are that we're We're walking with you through some of the ugly things of life, the difficult things of life. Where that, that's what pastors do. They labor among you. You need someone to come pray for you? Come in Ask me to pray. I don't know. I I don't read minds, but I don't know every need that is there. You You need someone to visit with you? We don't know. So reach out. Hello. Come on now. Again, they know those who labor among you. And then he goes on and he says, and are over you in the Lord. So first of all, the reason why you do this is because they labor among you, they're encouraging you, leading you, protecting you, but then they are over you in the Lord. And I know for some of us, right, like we hear those words, those hierarchical type words and they bother us. Like, oh, we're all equal in the Lord. Amen. We are, we are, we are, the, we are the priesthood of God all together. Amen. Meaning that I don't have any closer connection to God because of my title or my position. Now, someone can have a closer connection to God than someone else because they choose to position themselves. That's, that, that's, that's that 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 doesn't matter to the title, but those who are over you in the Lord, you know, you know, over 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 is a sign of leadership. But you know what? Over is also a sign of it's a sign of covering. So when I ask you, do you pray for me? When you you think the enemy just attacks you? When he hits you, do you not think that he hit me and you? Do you not think that my heart breaks when you're going through whatever you're going through? When you're discouraged, you don't think that I'm discouraged? When you're mourning, you don't think that I'm mourning? When you're when you're heartbroken, you don't think that I'm heartbroken? Come on now. So it's not just this position of high and mighty, you know? You gotta he's over you and no, no, no. Those who are over you, those who cover you, those who lead by example, those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord because God has given them, he's appointed them as leadership. Again, leadership is protection. And he says this one, and this one you all know very well, those who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Admonish you. Recognize those who do these things esteem them very highly in love. Those who, admi- you, know, you know what admonishment is? Admonishment is what you don't want to hear. Admonishment isn't just teaching, it's correction. It's, it's, it's letting you know, hey, you're, you're, you're out of bounds. My brother Danny, he refs, you know, he refs for basketball. And, you know, you, you, you've seen on TV where every call is a bad call that they make. That wasn't no foul. What are you talking about? I only choked him. Hello. <laughs> you, could, you could literally hear the smack on his hand in the bleachers up on the top, but I didn't hit him. I didn't touch. down. That was all ball. Hello. <laughs> in the playground, you know, hand is part of the ball, not in the pros. Come on now. <laughs> There's a difference, right? Nobody, nobody wants to hear the admonishment and say, hey, you're out of bounds. And I was foul. That was wrong. That, would, that, 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 that is not in line with God's word, those who admonish you. Do you think that I enjoy admonishing? You know, you know what? I, I would love to just sing all day. Come on now. I would just love to encourage you. Just smile all day at you. Say, hey, you know, God is good. Peace, safety, everything is good. But that's not true. That's not being the voice that God wants a pastor to be. To be someone who actually engages with truth and confronts sin and rebellion and disobedience. So it is to teach with a focus on correction. What's the point? They're the ones that are aligning the church to God and his will. That's what they do. Recognize those who do that. And then 13B, what should be the result of this? Look at the second part of 13, that last sentence there. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. So here's the thing. I've, I've already finished the, 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 the pastor appreciation exhortation. Now, now I want to talk to you about the fruit of being a person who honors, who, re, who esteems, who recognizes leadership. This is what should happen, is that there should be a desire for there to be peace among us. There should be a desire for us to engage with one another. A, the greatest joy for any leader is to see God's people loving God and each other, fulfilling the law and the prophets. The, the greatest thing is to know, man, these people are loving Jesus. These people are serving God. These people are loving each other. These people are caring about what's going on in each other's lives. And so, again, the result of honoring leadership is the fulfill, is fulfilling their calling that they should pursue peace. And so the second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must respond to our role as extensions of leadership. In the family, we must respond as, as um, to our role as an extension of leadership in the family. So, in our in, in our in, in our home, we have this particular context. My my daughter is much older than my son, so she is, in theory, right, much more mature than my nine-year-old. Most moments, she is. Hallelujah. But there are some times that she lowers herself to his level and, you know, they go at it, right? It's all fun. That's what, that's what brothers and sisters should do anyway. But here's the thing that I know is that when mom and dad are not present, guess what she does? She holds the standard in the home. She doesn't go say, hey, go call all your friends. We're going to have an amazing party. Mom and dad are not here. That is what She does. She, didn't just, she doesn't just sit there and let him, you know, he's got to take a shower at a certain time. She's not going to be like, hey, man, don't worry about a shower. Mom and dad aren't here. That isn't what she does, right? She's older. She knows the rules. And so she is going to, if she's a responsible sister, which she is, she is going to help direct the younger. So you know each and every one of us in this place has a responsibility to each other. You know that, right? It's, it's not just the leadership's responsibility to keep everybody in check. Come on now. We are supposed to, in each other's lives, call each other to repentance. And then, and then there are some moments, right? Come on now. There are some moments that you need to be a tattletale. Nobody likes a tattletale. That's why y'all are like, oh man. Snitches get stitches. I know y'all thinking that. Especially some of y'all, y'all up north, you're like ready to just cut somebody, right? Like, I know, I know, I know, amen. I hear you, I hear you. I hear you. I didn't say you just immediately go and tattle, right? Because as an older sibling, you should try to handle this on your own. You should try to direct. You should try to love. You should try to guide. You should try to point to the right direction. However, when somebody decides, you know what? I'm going to continue on in my rebellion. Then it's like, Dad, you're going to have to step in. Mom, you're going to have to step in. We're going to engage the leadership because they're not listening to my leadership. They're not here. That, that, I talked about that, didn't I? did not that sound like Matthew chapter 18? Go to them one-on-one. Then you bring some other witnesses there. Then you bring them before the church, right? Like that's the way that things are supposed to happen in the congregational setting. So, again, we have to respond. So as the family of God, as the brethren, we have been entrusted with a great responsibility. You know what that responsibility is? each other we have been entrusted with a great responsibility that is each other and so what does he go on to tell us here let's continue reading verse 14 we exhort you family warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted uphold the weak be patient with all see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good both for you both for yourselves and for all So some people are unruly. You know what unruly means? Insubordinate. Nobody in here is insubordinate. Mm -hmm. Out of line. That's what it means. People that are unruly. People that are insubordinate. People who are out of line with what? With God's word. They're out of line with God's will. What does he say to do for them? warn them Now notice what he notice notice what he said remember, remember the word family He didn't say pastors Remember he's talking to the family of God of how to operate within the context of the family of God He's saying to recognize to esteem and then he goes on and he says I exhort you family to warn those who are unruly Who's supposed to do the warning Oh you got it the family is supposed to be like, yo, man, you're out of line. Yo, don't be so rebellious. You're being insupport. You're being disrespectful. You're dishonoring God's word. You're not You're not walking according to the pattern of truth that we have before. Wait a second. We got to look at it. We, 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 we are supposed to warn one another. But there's some people in the church that are unruly. Come on. There's some people that are what? They're faint-hearted. You know what faint-hearted is? A person who can't handle pressure. There's nobody in here like that. They can't handle pressure. The weight of pressure comes. They're like, ah, they're choking. What does the Bible say to them? Choke them some more. Is that what the Bible says? I know that's what we want to do sometimes. Like, like, what is wrong with you? Right. Like, do you not know the joy of the Lord is your strength? Like, come on now, right? Like, like we wanna we wanna preach to them, like cram the word of God down their throat. But that's not what the scripture says to do to them, does it? This ain't old school like parenting. Come on now. <laughs> Where you just beat them into shape, right? Like that, that, that it, she said it works, glory to God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The jury's still out on some of that. But anyway, it at minimum got you straight for the moment, right? That's for sure. But but here's what he says. He says, comfort the faint-hearted. Those that are feeling pressure, don't choke them more. Comfort them. Encourage them. Come beside them. I know you got things on your schedule. I know. I know, I know you're busy. I, I, I know you got a, a, a routine that you got to keep. He ain't worried about all that right there. He's worried about the faint hearted that need your attention at that moment. He's worried about the faint hearted that need you to come to him. So we have some people that are unruly, we have some people who are faint hearted and they have their issues. And then there are some of us that are weak. Nobody in here is weak, right? Everybody's strong. You know what weak means? Weak. (laughs) Of little strength, right? Whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, whether it's spiritually. Come on, y'all heard me for three weeks, right? Talking about eating foods uh, that that were sacrificed to idols. Talking about those who have a weaker conscience, right? The stronger conscience, weaker conscience. Those who are weak, what do we do with them? Ignore them? What do we do? We write them off? That That isn't what the text says. Even though you may want to, you know what it says? Uphold them. Support them. Strengthen them in their weakness. And then he says, What? Be patient with all. Hallelujah. In case you didn't get it, for those people that are unruly, be patient with them. For those people that are that are faint hearted, be patient with them. For those people that are weak, be patient with them. Why? Because we're supposed to bring grace into every situation that we're engaging with our brothers and sisters. Verse 15 see that no one renders evil for evil. Why does he say this? See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for both yourselves and for all. Here's what happens. If you and I are not rooted in the gospel, if we are not consistent in our time with God, if we are not being filled with the Holy, Spirit's con- the Holy Spirit continually, the temptation will be to repay evil for evil. When that unruly person rubs you the wrong way, oh, I got you. And evil doesn't necessarily mean vengeance. Evil's like, yo, I'm done with you. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer going to engage with you because you rubbed me the wrong way. Because you are an unruly person, and so I'm just done. Listen, I'm not talking about the person who is unrepentant. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the person who's walked through, you know, first, second confrontation, and then finally we got to ex- I'm not talking about that person. I'm just talking about the person who's getting out of line, the person who is still that work in progress. Hold on a second. You don't just write people off. You don't repay evil for evil, right? That's not what we're supposed to do with one another, but the temptation will be to do that, or what we do is we just pursue our own good. We're not thinking about the whole. We're thinking about us. What's good for me? What's good for me and my family? What's good for our household, right? That's what we start thinking about. Um, Number three here, I want you to repeat this after me. Say, We must realize the value and components of family worship. We must realize the value and components of family worship. One of, the, one, one of the greatest hindrances that the church in this present age is seeing is the effect of all the isolation. And for some of you, you felt that pull because you got so used to worshiping in your pajamas in your living room. Hallelujah. You got, you got so used to that, right? Like, man, I, I don't want to drive to church. Come on, I can just chill right here, worship. Nobody sees me. I'm I'm good, right? And then what and, and, and then what happens is we we don't we don't congregate anymore because I can I can get my fix online. Here's my question Is church about getting your fix? Is that what church is about? Is that what the gathering of the saints is about? See, here's what what I would say is that corporate collective worship has become so much less than what the Lord intended. And so when we look at the rest of these verses here, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to remember these verses are written within the context of a congregational idea. They're not isolated. He doesn't switch gears and he's not saying, hey, do all these things alone. That's not what he's saying. He's telling us to recognize those, to esteem those who are over us. He's telling us how we should deal with one another. And then he's telling us collectively how we should be operating, what worship is about. Okay, so what is worship about? So we're going to look at this. He, he, he tells us these things. Verse 16, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, obviously, there is some individual application to those things, but those things are supposed to be congregational. Are you here? Let me, let, let, let me read this quote. I love this quote. Worship is the most important activity of a local church family. Let me say it again. Worship is the most important activity of a local church family. Ministry must flow out of worship. Otherwise, it becomes busy activity without power and without heart. There may be results, but they will not glorify God or really last. Let me pause for a moment. Because when we think about lasting, lasting isn't just lasting to your last breath. Lasting is following you into eternity. It's, a, it's not just that you was in church for 40 years or you were in church for 40 years. No, no, no. It is that you have lived all the way into eternity because you have been living for eternity all of your days that are here on earth. And that is what is supposed to happen in the context of us worshiping the Lord. But let me continue on with this quote. Many church services lack an emphasis on true worship and are more like religious entertainments, catering to the appetites of the congregation. See what 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 is worship about? It's not about you. It's not about me. It is about the one we are singing to. It is also about the ones we are singing with. Are you here? Because our worship is supposed to be gospel-centered. It is supposed to be king-focused, but it should also be family-including. Are you here? It's not just about our worship between me and God. Because, listen, what we, what we do here, when I sat down, I did, I, my family is sick of hearing that song, not because of the words, but because I sing it all the time. Come on now. You think I was just ready for that? No, last night I was like, hey, I were yesterday, the leaders retreat. We were the leaders, and I was like, hey, we're doing this I, I had plenty of practice, glory to God. But it was appropriate for the moment, right? Because what worship is about exalting, it's about focusing in on the greatness of God above anything else. Listen, I was I was excited. I, you know, they they they, they changed up the rhythm on me, glory to God. First song, they were like, I don't. What was that? What was that noise? <laughs> 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 right, I, I, I was like, oh come on, somebody, right? Like we we gonna we, we gonna clap this thing up? I was like, I'm a, I'm good with all that. For some, you know, some people are like, wait, that's a little bit awkward. whatever. But here's the thing. It's not about the rhythm of a song. All that all that's good, but if the words of the song are terrible, then it ain't worship. Everybody, we have different cultural backgrounds, but the point is, right, worship is about bringing glory to God. It's about ensuring that when you walk out of here that you know who the one was that died for you and rose for you. That that our songs have reinforced our theology. That our songs have reinforced the gospel that we believe in. That our songs remind us, man, that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were separated from God. We were completely in rebellion on our way to an eternity separated from him. And Jesus entered in. He died for my sin. He rose again and he offers me the rescue of new life. That is the gospel we believe, and that is what we should be reminded of constantly. in the songs we sing, if we're not, there's a problem. It's not just about feeling. And listen, sometimes we think about the entertainment. We think about the lights, and we think about the smoke. But listen, man, sometimes it's emotional entertainment as well. It's about me feeling some kind of stirring emotionally. And if I didn't have that, that wasn't real worship. Is that God's view or your view? Because, again, worship is primarily about him. But it's also about building the faith of our brothers and sisters as we sing those songs with energy, as we sing those songs with excitement, as we sing those words even with tears running down our eyes. It is a reminder of the great God that we serve. That's what worship is about. We've turned it into something else. And so again, we have to come back and we have to realize the importance of it. And so what are the components of worship that we see here? He says in verse 16, rejoicing always. Praying without ceasing, and everything giving thanks. That is an act of worship. All of those things are tied into worship. I want you to notice what he, what, what he says here. Rejoicing when? Always. See, here's the thing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When you and I are reminded of what our Lord has done, you know what that should stir? That should stir joy in our hearts. We should rejoice. Listen, you may not be able to rejoice over circumstances or situations, but you can rejoice in the Savior who died and rose again. You can always rejoice in him. You can be reminded of where your strength comes from. Praying without ceasing. Of course, we should pray continually. We should always be. I love the the, the thought of without intermission. Whenever you go to a long show or something, some of y'all wish I would take an intermission. Glory to God. I hear you. Uh Uh-huh. You go to a long show, you see things that are going on and and, and they, what after an hour, hey, we're going to take a 15-minute intermission here so you can go to the bathroom and do everything blah blah blah. But what he's saying here is you pray without intermission. And can I tell you something? There are some moments that man, you 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 are being interrupted by life. And you know why you need your brothers and sisters? While sometimes we isolate ourselves from them is because when we can't pray anymore, we need someone to pray for us. We need somebody to help us pray without ceasing. Again, giving thanks in everything, no matter the circumstance, no matter what we are. That is what is supposed. Every time we gather together, those things should be happening. Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in everything. We should be reminded. You may not be able to give thanks for everything. I'm just keeping it 100 there may be some things that, man, I can't, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling to give you thanks. Now, listen, we should be encouraging you to be able to say, hey, even though it's painful, give thanks for the pain. Give thanks for the circumstance because he loves me enough to walk with me through the pain. We're reminded of those things with one another. He goes on to say this, verse 19. Again, this is congregational. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Let me say this to you, church. Holiness is not an option for the followers of Jesus. Are you here? We, 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 we are called to live holy unto the Lord. And part of that is us being connected with the Spirit of the Lord, with the Spirit of God. What did he say? Do not quench the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the one that's going to increase us and make us more and more like Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He works in us to develop our character. But here's the thing. He says, do not quench the Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is essential to our growth in Christ. What does it mean not to quench the Spirit? We cannot put out the fire of the Spirit. That's what it means to quench. To put out the fire. To to quench. When when God wants to move through you, when God wants to speak through you, when God wants to pray through you, when God wants to touch someone's life through you, don't quench the Spirit. Don't, I, I will give you two ways real quick that we quench the Spirit. Entertaining the false is one way we quench the Spirit. When we, when, when, when we play games with things that we know are not sound and not true. that you Why? Because then you confuse the true with something that feels that feels right. Don't quench the spirit. Don't accept false fire. But we also quench the spirit by not engaging for fear. Because there's some people, they're afraid to, like, really press in. Because, oh, what's going to happen? Wait a second. You're pressing into God, the one who loves you. Hello. <laughs> Nothing bad is going to happen in the presence of the Almighty God. The other, we cannot put out that fire. We have to make sure the fire continues to burn, that He moves in and through us the way He wants. We should not discount prophetic words. What does He say? Do not despise prophecies. Are you here? For some of us and some people, even when I was reading the commentary, one of the commentary, actually the commentary that I just quoted for you just to let you know, I don't don't just go by everything that everyone says. I got to read the context. And in the commentary, he was like, in the time of the apostles, the people that were there, those people were inspired prophetically to speak God's word. Now we have the Bible. We no longer need prophecy. So we no longer need the Holy Spirit in his fullness. We only need like part of him. The parts that we can control, we think. That's what we need. That's that's false. That's not true. Do not despise prophecy. Let me give you a news flash. God is still speaking today and now. He still communicates. Now here's what we have to be certain of. We have his canonized word. In other words... This word is God's inspired word that we know for certain is infallible, is inerrant. We know this, right? This, this has been, I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of people that have, uh, you know, have, have said there's contradictions in the Bible. And whenever they bring the contradiction, just say, okay, well, let's look at the contradiction. And let's see if it's really a contradiction or are you just twisting the scriptures, right? right. This is, there's, there's nothing new under the sun, right? From the, from the Garden of Eden, did God really say, that's been a, that's been a thing from the beginning, Hello? It just, it just continues to be unpackaged over and over. But here's, here's why we have to be careful because whatever God speaks to us has to be filtered. This is how we test all things. Not just through God's word, but through God's word and his spirit combined together working in us. So if God speaks something that doesn't align with the scriptures, guess what you need to say? I might have had some bad pizza yesterday. Somebody was off because that wasn't God speaking. And so again, we are to not despise prophetic words, but we have to validate everything, especially those things that are the Spirit or those things that are thus says the Lord. That's how we walk the way in holiness, the way that God wants. And then He says, verse twenty-two again: abstain from every form of evil. So this is the the this drives us to the point of living holy lives unto the Lord. This is not optional, like I said earlier. For followers of Jesus, we are called to live holy. We are to stay. What does He say? Stay away from every form. In other words, there will be an a, a, every appearance of evil. Stay away from that. Don't don't play around with things that. Listen, don't play with stuff that appears evil. Don't tempt the Lord. Don't open your life up to things that you shouldn't open your life up to. I mean, listen, there is a spirit realm. Hello. Abstain from every form of evil. Look what he goes on to say. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. Here's our joy. Our joy is, I'm not making myself more holy, God is. You should have said amen to that. I'm not, I'm not making myself more like Jesus. He, by his spirit, is making me more like Christ. He is convicting me of my sin. He is confirming to me his love. He is showing me his power, his will. He is enabling me to live more like him. That's what he's doing by his spirit. He is the one that is working in us. In verse 25 to verse 28, and we're wrapping up here. Brethren, pray for us. Greeting, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. Family, pray for us. Greet all the family with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy family. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. See, here's the thing. Family prays for each other. Are you here? Family prays for each other. One takeaway, application. We want to talk about application, right? Pray for your family. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You know what? That, that that's, it, It's not about the kiss. It's about the care. Family doesn't just pray for each other. Family cares for each other. And then he says to read this epistle to all of the holy family. Because family doesn't just pray for each other or care for each other. Family also edifies each other. And the way that we edify each other is through God's word. By encouraging us with God's word. By keeping us focused on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Church, this is the way that God intended for his family to function. So here's my closing question for you. Do you view your church family as family or are we just brothers and sisters in word? Like when you think about each other, like do I, do, do, do I think about you like I do my biological family, my immediate family? Do I see you like that? I think Paul did and I think Paul expected the church to view each other through that lens. Now, again, I apologize because we have been so indoctrinated in our Western individualism that it's almost impossible for us to grasp this concept without the spirit of God in us. And the reason why we don't see it is because, you know, the way, the way that I learned it, Jewish people, they used to, when they had dinner, you know what they did? They used to just leave, like, their front door open. And if someone actually walked by, that's the way they were able to entertain strangers because they were knowing they could come in. How many of you sleep with your front door? I mean, how many of you eat with your front door open? <laughs> you just have it open. Hey, anybody who comes by, right? Sister Raquel, this, this invitation, y'all. Sister Raquel said, anytime you want to come, come over here. She's telling you the truth. I believe it. I told her that what I'm going to do is, before I come, I'm going to text her an hour earlier and say, hey, I'm on my way. And it is only because she makes this amazing brown rice, and I want to be sure she has time to make it before I come. That's our code, right? Glory to God. (laughs) But again, it's a mindset that we have to break. We can't be comfortable with our westernized mindset of Christianity. It will always fall short. And so if you're in here, and I think that most of us probably would have to repent and say, man, I'm, I'm sad that I don't think of my family and church as real family. They're just my brothers and sisters in word. I call them brother when I can't remember their name or sister when I can't remember their name because it's the holy thing to do. No, 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 no. Let's so all stand, please. I want us to stand before the Lord because I want I, I want us to... To humble our hearts before him and ask him to cleanse us. Father, I know this is a a different Pastor Appreciation Day for us as a church. And I, I pray that these words were edifying. I pray that they were helpful. I pray that they are words that we will respond to. Forgive us, Lord, for not looking at each other the way that you call us to look at each other. Forgive us for reading words like brethren or brothers and sisters, depending on our translation, and not connecting the dots the way that we ought to. Forgive us for not praying for one another. Forgive us for not caring for one another. Forgive us for not edifying one another. Forgive us for repaying evil for evil. Forgive us for thinking about just ourselves and not others. Forgive us for devaluing our gatherings, Lord. Forgive us for being more concerned with ourselves than we are your kingdom and your kingdom work. Lord, as we prepare our hearts to partake of communion, I I really do pray, Lord, that you would... Help us to value not only your body that was broken, but your body that you are building. We thank you for your great love and your great mercy toward us. And we ask you, God, glorify yourself in your church, in your family. Unify our hearts and knit them together. Lord, I pray for those that may be in here Maybe online, may hear this message at some point. I pray, Lord God, that if there, there's church hurt that is there, that is hindering them from engaging the way that you call us to, Lord, I pray that you would bring healing. I pray for those who are just rebellious and just out of line and refuse to engage the way that you call us to, Lord God, grant them repentance as well. Lord, we want to honor you, we want to bring you glory as your family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand of praise? He is worthy. Glory. He is worthy of honor. As I said, we're going to partake of communion, so you can be seated for a moment.